Life Audio. The How to Study the Bible podcast is brought to you by BibleStudyTools.com and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith affirming podcasts, visit LifeAudio.com. We know that Jesus said, If anyone loves me, they will obey my commands. That's what love looks like. When we truly love, we will sacrifice and submit to that love. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to How to Study the Bible. My name is Nicole Eunice. I am your host, your guide, your fellow traveler through life as we are exploring right now the book of First John, which we are going to get into in just a moment. But if you're new with us, I just want to say welcome. I'm so glad that you found us. We have lots of new friends this week who have um, all connected as we prepare for our next series. Um, So we've started something new. Um, This podcast has been going on for about a year. And last fall, we decided to add a little extra uh, occasionally where we do a study guide and some extra content and reading for you to allow you to use this podcast as your anchoring devotion or even time with your small group. And we studied Romans in the fall. And now we are going to jump in again in a series called How to Pray that will begin in March, March 7th to be exact. And we'll be offering that study guide again, all free for you, just extra resources for your spiritual life. And the way that you're going to get those resources if is by going to my website. It's also in the show notes, NicoleUnis.com slash how to pray. And you don't have to do that. You can just listen to the podcast. But if you want to jump in and get the guide delivered to your email, if you'd like access to our private Facebook group, which is a place of community, encouragement, prayer, and a place that I show up live to answer questions so that while we're going along, if you do want to interact and engage with me on questions that you might have through the passage, you can do that in the Facebook group. So a couple of different options for you that we want to offer and just a really cool way for us to get even more connected and for me to see your names and faces at least over Facebook um, or in our email. So if you'd like to join that, you can just go to NicoleUnis.com slash how to Pray. But before we get into that series, we are going to continue through the book of First John. A little letter, um, not long. You can read it all in one sitting. I actually recommend that you do that a few times through, because like we talked about last week, this book will give us a run for our money if we're trying to see linear progression of thought, because what John really does in this letter is he circles around themes over and over again. So he goes into a theme and out of a theme sometimes all in just a couple of verses. And so you kind of want to have a flyover of the whole thing before you dive in, because you want to make sure that you're focusing on the main themes, which is what we're going to do. So we talked about that in the last podcast. So if you missed that, you may want to go back. Um, But we're in 1 John chapter 2 this week, and we're going to be looking at verses 3 through 9. So I want to invite you to just take a deep breath. And if this is the first moment of your day, that you're turning your attention to the Lord um, or turning your attention to scripture, particularly. I just want to invite you to release and focus your energy um, toward Christ and toward what God has for you today. So First uh, John chapter 2, verses 3 through 9. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. 
This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, and does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. The old command is the message you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Okay, so we've got this uh, strong set of uh, sort of encouragements and commands that we want to look at, and we're going to walk through our Alive method um, just the way that we do each and every time, four simple questions that we want to ask of the passage. So the first question is, what does it say? And so thankfully, we do have a very clear sense of like, okay, what is this saying? And I kind of picked out three things that I want us to focus on that I believe this passage is speaking to us about. Okay, so it's very clear in verse three. Okay, this is about what it looks like to really know Jesus, right? That's kind of what I would put at the top of my journal. This is what it's like to really know Jesus. And then we have a series of tests. Now, when we talk about tests of the faith, we're not talking about a test that you're going to fail, um, that somehow God is putting you on trial over and over again. This is about the way that you uh, test the veracity of something. Like, if I'm going to sit down in a chair, I want to make sure that the the legs of the chair are going to hold me up, like there is a foundation that can hold me up. And what John is providing for us is a set of, hey, here's the things that will hold up your faith. This is the way that you can examine your experience with Jesus so that you know if it's holding up the faith. And it reminds me of a passage in the Gospels when Jesus is talking and he says, hey, if anyone builds their house on a solid rock, the storms will come, the winds will blow, and the rock and the house will stand. But if you build your house on sand, the storms will come, the wind will blow, and the house will fall, right? Well, on the outside, those houses look exactly the same. On a sunny day, 
Those houses look the same. When the wind isn't blowing, when the trouble hasn't come, those houses look the same. Jesus says the test of the foundation of the house only comes in trouble, right? It only comes in the storm. It only comes when the wind blows, when there's destruction and it's difficult, right? So when we come to this passage, what we do know in the backstory of 1 John is that things have become difficult. Uh, It is not always easy to follow Jesus. It certainly wasn't easy to follow Jesus at that time. There was real persecution in the church. And then on top of that, and perhaps even worse than that, there's division within the church. And John is trying to speak into that division. And it's one thing to feel persecuted on the outside. You know, there's a sense of bonding. We're in this together. It's a completely different thing when you feel persecuted on the inside. And we know that as we are walking through this world, um, there is so much division and strife in the church. There's so much public division and strife in the church right now, and it can be really alarming. And we ask ourselves, what is going on? And first John, it's speaking into that. And John's like, hey, this is a time that your faith, the, t- the veracity of your faith is being tested, and I'm going to give you the tests of faith so that you can know who is really walking with Jesus, especially when we're talking about division within the church, when there is strife within the church. So this test is now we're going to have a couple of things that he's going to lay out for us, right, that are going to be those tests. So uh, verse 5 says, if anyone obeys the word, if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. So test number one, obedience out of love, right? And if we Go to what's the backstory on that. We know that Jesus said in John 14, verse 15, if anyone loves me, they will obey my commands. Jesus already made that sort of a test of the faith. And sometimes, again, we read that and we're like, oh, that's conditional. It means that Jesus doesn't love me if I don't obey his commands. No, he didn't say that he wouldn't love you. He said, this is what love back to me looks like. If you're receiving and accepting my love, then you are receiving and accepting my authority because I am the one who knows the way to true life. That's what love looks like. When we truly love, we will sacrifice and submit to that love. So Jesus is like, I'm not saying that I'm withdrawing my love, but if you want to know what it looks like to love me, what it looks like to love me is to obey me. Because if you love me, then you believe me. And if you believe me, then you believe the one who sent me. And if you believe the one who sent me, then you believe that we have the way, we being the Trinity, Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, know the way to true life and are leading us in the way to true life, which means that we would obey their way over the way of the world. So the first test of our faith is, do we live obedience out of love? Second test I see is in verse six, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus lived. So now we've got, okay, so I'm going to have a a primary setting of my heart in verse five is going to be to be obedient out of love. A secondary test of my faith is going to be living like Jesus lived. Like there's a reason that that bracelet WWJD was around. Like what would Jesus do 
is a real question from Scripture because it's right here in 1 John 2, verse 6. Anyone who claims to live in him will live as Jesus lived. Now, you might say to me, Nicole, well, we don't live in ancient Palestine. I don't live in, I don't live in the ancient world. I don't know how to take all of Jesus' teachings and apply them to my life. Yes, welcome to this experience. We're on a journey. We're discovering together. This is why we need to so deeply know Jesus' teaching and know Jesus' life and, and live and immerse ourselves in the stories of the gospel because those are the places that we see what it means to live as Jesus lived. And they're beautiful stories, and there's so much there to to learn and to gain from. And truly, I've been reading the Gospels my entire life, and there is always something new to discover. That's what's amazing about the fact that God's Word is living and active, is there's just something new there when we go to that again and again with this heart setting that is the test of my faith, the way that my faith in my foundation is going to be strong is that I'm constantly pursuing what it means to live as Jesus lived. How did Jesus live with his enemies? How did Jesus live with his disciples? How did Jesus live with his family? How did Jesus live with the demands of the world? What were the spiritual rhythms of Jesus's life? Those are just a few questions you can ask and go to the gospels and discover what does it really look like to live as Jesus lived. Finally, we've got this third test of the faith in verse 9. It says in verse 9, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. And we know that this light and darkness theme persists all the way through 1 John. We know we talked about last week, it actually gives us a callback to the Gospel of John, also written by John. And this callback is this idea that Jesus is the light and that whoever walks in the light will not stumble and that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And so we're taking this very abstract concept of light and darkness, and now John is making it very practical. He's saying, this is what it looks like, though, to live in the light. Because we can all say we live in the light. We can all claim to live in the light, right? But this is what it's going to look like in your actual life to live in the light. And that practical outworking of living in the light is the way that you love a brother or sister. Now, a brother or sister in this context, when we talk about the backstory, a brother or sister is about this conflict, most likely about this conflict within the church that's happening that John is addressing, and that this is specifically a command for believers with one another. This is not a command about the rest of the world, and it's not that we are to hate people, but it does say we are to hate the ways of the world, right? So there's a big difference between the way that we love people who are not believers and the way we love people who are believers. And that is a tension, right, that we have to address. There's a tension here. But before we actually apply scripture to our life, we want to know what did it mean in the context that it was written so that we can understand the principles there, and then we can pull those principles up to application. Remember, that's what we always do. We don't want to jump too quick to what does this mean for me? We want to make sure that we understand, well, what did it mean for the people who were receiving it? And the people who were receiving this letter knew there was infighting within the church. There were people called secessionists who were like trying to take people outside of the church who were adding commands to the gospel, who were claiming a spiritual self-righteousness, a spiritual hierarchy on which they were the higher ones, that they had special knowledge from God that others didn't have, and they were dividing the church with this 
approach with this whatever campaign that they were on about being better and having spiritual knowledge. And the crazy thing about spiritual knowledge, if you've ever been exposed to this, is that if you were to confront a brother or sister who claimed to have spiritual knowledge, and you may have had an experience like this, particularly recently, if you were to try to engage and say, well, I see it differently, or this is what I feel like love looks like or whatever, this person would claim, well, I have, um, God told me, or I have knowledge that you don't have, or it's not something you can understand because you aren't on the, the depth of your spiritual relationship like I am. That is not true. <laughs> I just want to say that when people claim spiritual authority or some sort of special knowledge of God with a depth that they're like, well, you just can't understand the depth of my knowledge, but they fail the tests of the faith. And that's what John's trying to say is like, hey, when someone's claiming to live more mature than you, quote unquote, or that they have knowledge of God that you just can't understand and that God told them to live this way, but it's outside the boundaries of the test of the faith, then you should be suspect about that. Like that's they're living in darkness. If they're hating a brother or sister in their way of living, then they're living in darkness. And John wants to make it really clear what it means to actually live in the light. And in this particular passage, we get these three tests. There's a sense of obedience out of love, living like Jesus, and having love for brothers and sisters. And if any of those are missing, then that person is not walking in the light. They're walking in the darkness, and they're living in the way of the darkness. But what's tricky about it is this is talking about people in the church. So it's not maybe as clear as how we understand darkness in the sense of maybe brashness and anger and licentiousness and obvious sin, right? This is going to be a more deceptive sin. And this is why I believe John is saying, hey, we've got to, you've got to be able to see on the outside the, the transformation of a heart. If a, if a heart is being truly transformed by Jesus, you are going to see it on the outside. And my experience with when you walk through the Gospels and what you see in people who come to Jesus is that there is always increasing love in their heart. There's increasing forgiveness, increasing compassion, increasing patience. It's not that they become less bold about the faith. I mean, there's, there's increasing courage around the faith, but there isn't increasing fear. There is not increasing self-righteousness. There is not increasing division. And so you want to be able to look at life and your your circles and your people and say, is this person truly walking in the light? Am I truly walking in the light? Because this is a test for my own faith first and foremost, but it's also a, a test of faith for me to be discerning about what's happening around me. Because John's like, it's really important that you know what the outworkings of faith look like in a believer. Uh, Because that's what we need to, to encourage one another toward. And that's what we're calling each other toward in the church. So what does this mean? I just wrote a very simple mantra of what principle is here that I believe is the same principle that was present for the early church who was first receiving this letter as it is for us today. And the principle is this. I know him. I love him. I love others because I love him. I know Jesus, I love Jesus, and I love others because I love Jesus.
Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. So what does this mean for me? What struck me the most about this passage as I did what you guys do and just spent a little time in God's word and journaled for a moment, asked that question, what does this really mean for me? The question I wrote for myself and perhaps for you is what is the motivation of my obedience? When I think about living out my faith and the idea that Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Is my motivation for obedience love? Because Jesus is saying what matters a lot, what matters the most, what matters to me is the setting of your heart, the direction of your heart toward love. That your obedience doesn't come out of fear. Your obedience doesn't come out of what other people think about you. Your obedience doesn't come from shame or trying to prove yourself. That this obedience to this life where you love others, you love your brothers and sisters, is not out of your sense of having to guard the truth or protect me, but actually out of your love for me. Like that's what Jesus says. Um, Jesus doesn't need our protection. He needs our motivation to be about living out of the love we've received from him. And I just ask my question, what does increasing love look like for my brothers and sisters in faith? How do I pray for the church in the world and in my community? How do I pray for my brothers and sisters far away and near? How do I set my heart to be obedient and open to what God is doing and look for the light that comes when people are living in love. That's the word I have for you today. I hope that might be helpful. We'll be picking up in 1 John 3 next week. Stay well, everyone. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of lifeaudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Gibbons and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, 
you can check out our website at NicoleEunis.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at your heart, not your gene size. Do you know the verses yet still stress over your body? Oh, I get it. I was raised in church, but I struggled with food, eating disorders, and my body for decades. I'm Heather Creekmore, host of the Compared To podcast, where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective. We get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most. Whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale, Compared To Who is the show for you. You'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot. If you're ready to stop comparing and start living, visit lifeaudio.com to listen and subscribe.